0: Block Talk Radio. We We worship the
1: Lord. I want us to worship God for just a moment. We talked about one sound. Everybody say one sound. There is a kingdom sound. There is a kingdom sound. Everybody say that. There is a kingdom sound. Say it again. There is a kingdom sound. Understand this: that there is always a sound that precedes the move of God. Everybody say that there's always a sound that precedes the move of God. Whenever you will find deliverance, wherever you will find healing, wherever you find a move of God, it is always a sound. of the Lord but I want us to take about maybe just 30 seconds if you will but I just want you to minister on that on that guitar I want you to raise your hands in his presence and let's just worship God all over this room come on everybody let's worship God all over this room hallelujah
0: Could not hold me down, yes, even here in our story, it says that um Ruth begged Naomi not to send her back to her own people because Ruth was a Moabite, she wasn't a Jew, and she wasn't worshiping God, she did not know God the way Naomi did, that she was not of the people of the Jews who had those particular customs, and worship. However, because of the love that Naomi showed to her daughter-in-law, because of the strength and the character that she had, and the kindness that she showed Ruth, that when it was time that Naomi's husband died and that even Ruth's husband died, they were in the land just like we are today dealing with covid there's all type of plagues that take our loved ones that you see that fathers and brothers and even sons are dying at this time and mothers and grandmothers that sometimes family are divided and separated. And this was the case with Naomi, that she had lost her 10 people, as we say her 10 folks, and that she decided to travel back to her homeland. A lot of times when you live in a particular city and when things don't work out or people die or there's a situation that changed, you try to go back to your roots or where you came from. In this case, that she was in another city altogether. And she had told um, Ruth she was going to uh, travel back to her homeland and return to Bethlehem. And Ruth decided that she wanted to go. She had another sister named Oprah who decided to stay there, even though that death had taken hold of the family, and she was going to remarry or find someone else and let Naomi travel by herself to her homeland. But Ruth, being the daughter that she was, that she would not leave this mother, who was an elderly lady, who needed care and food and help to travel such a long distance that Ruth decided to stay. Naomi urged her to go on with her life and to find a life outside of her because she had nothing else to offer. And it's a very sad thing when you get old and you tell your family or your daughters that I'm old now and that you don't have to care for me. Go on with your life. But what is so profound about Ruth that she stayed there with Naomi, in spite of the hardship, in spite of her age, that she stuck right beside her, and she said, where you go, I will go. I will follow you, and your God will be my God. To the point that said, where you die, I will be buried there also. You know, when I read the story, it took me all these years to realize something that a lot of people used to tease me when I was growing up. They called me Ruth, and I didn't understand because that wasn't my name, but now I can understand the biblical meaning behind it. That when I was 12 years old, told by family members that my mom was not my real mom, and my dad was not my dad, and that I was an orphan. And I remember how cruel that was, and I was sitting at the table with my mom enjoying my dinner, and this lady just decided to say, this is not your real family. Imagine the insult that it gave to my mom, the one who had loved me and cared for me ever since I was a small child, the one who stood who stood by me in the good times and bad, especially when I was sick. I grew up um, with asthma. I had, a, a, as I you can hear now, a sinus disorder, sinusitis, and sometimes based on the weather or the season, it would affect my breathing as well as my asthma. And this woman took care of me. She stood by me. She showed me love, and she would not leave me. And I thought it was so very cruel that I remember going into the bathroom to talk to my dad, and I said, Dad, she said, you're not my father. Are you my dad? And he said, if I put a roof over your head, clothes on your back, and you live in my house, then you're my child. I was so grateful for that because I was so hurt. After that, I really felt like a black sheep, that I didn't belong to the family. I would compare my hair, my skin color, my appearance, uh, the shape of my face, that I looked like everybody else. I was so devastated, and I would hear that different ones was my real cousins or nephews or nieces, and I felt so out of place. But this lady here, her name was Claire, Claire Lee Pearson, stood by me, showed me the love, and she would always take her hand and rub my face and say, baby, it's going to be all right. She said, just trust God, it would be all right. I was an atheist at the time and I said, "Ma, how can you believe something that you can't see? And she said, if I lose my faith, I lose everything. She would carry that little Red Testament Bible around with her. And She would just pray and just talk to God to the point that I wanted to meet him as well. I stood with her, and to the point that when I got grown, I was offered scholarships to go to Howard University, paid in full. And I was living in Maryland at the time, and I said, I'm not leaving, Mom. She said, well, you're going to uh, miss your chance in going to college. And I said, well, they got colleges here in Maryland. I'm not leaving out this house and leave my mother. Because I was determined to stay there with my mom and dad who showed me love. And from that, I, I turned down that scholarship. An offer came that I met someone who was in the military. He was from Chicago. And he said, let's get married. And we can go to Chicago. My mother begged me to go. My father was upset that I wouldn't go. I said, I'm still not leaving. I'm going to stay right here with my mother and father until they put me out of my house. (laughs) I stayed there. I was almost 30 years old. I would not leave my parents. I was satisfied because, truly, I had the love of a Naomi who showed me kindness, who was there for me in the midst of the storm, and I was so very grateful to them that if I was a black sheep, if I was an orphan, if I was a foster child, if I was a displaced individual, that these people right here showed me kindness. I stayed there with them up until the time that both of them died, and I had nothing but the clothes on my back. But I gave them one gift that I will always remember. I worked at Vital Records at the time. And I didn't have a birth certificate or anything, and I needed a Social Security card. So I had to um, get papers, and I had to get everything done. And as I was questioned with the courts and everything, they said, who is your father? I said, well, the man that raised me that put a roof over my head, clothes on my back, and food, his name is Sidney Gillis. And they said, who is your mother? I said, my mother is Lee Pearson right there. She took care of me with my asthma, with my colds. I lived in her house, and she fed me and combed my hair every day. There was no documentation. There was nothing to prove that I was even a human being. And what the courts decided that since I verified that I was raised in a household, and thanks be to God that Sidney never denied me, Claire never denied me, that I got a legal birth certificate to say that they were my parents. I was so very grateful because my mom said that she had three children. They had all uh, been miscarried and died, and she couldn't have any more kids. However, God gave me to her when I was, understand, two to three days old, and that she raised me as her own. I couldn't give her money. I didn't have a job at the time. I was just staying there with my parents cleaning the house and cooking because I refused to leave out the door. So I was looking for a job. But what I did do, the first job that I had was that vital records. Isn't God, God is strange, isn't he? He would give me my first job is to work with documentation so that I could be legal and I could be adopted by a family. That was the greatest gift that my mom said that I gave her, a birth certificate, that she was able to conceive and have a child and that it was legal by law. Nobody could challenge it unless they would be sued for mental cruelty and they had no paperwork to show that I wasn't who I was because Cindy and Clara both verified that I was their child. That was so profound to me that I stayed there. So when... I hear people allude to the fact that I am a Ruth, that I think about uh, Ruth and Naomi, how that Naomi was not a real mother, that Naomi was a mother-in-law, and she stayed there with Ruth and said, where you die, I will die and I will be buried by you. You know, not to put a damper on our day to day, but I even went down and picked out my grave site beside my mother Clara. Clara have died and uh there's land in Virginia and there's a family cemetery and I told my her family that when I die put me right next to Clara or near Clara because I am her family and this is my family. I thank God for the Pearson family because through all of that, they didn't have to. When my mother and father did die, that I was able to uh, become a Pearson. I was able to kind of go to the family reunions. I even had one cousin say, you're not our real cousin, and still try to remind me I was a black sheep. But thank God for Katie Pearson, for Sally, For Auntie, we call her Auntie Ann, and for the Beasley and Pearson family, they took me in. Even when my mother died, people were still trying to compare who I looked like. And I thank God for them because I was able to visit the family cemetery. I see my burial plot. When I die, I see the hole in the ground they have for me, and they have truly treated me well. You know, it's very sad when you see a lot of children out here today are displaced in foster care and people be cruel to them. There are some that even make them feel that they would have been better off with the parents who had problems of drug addiction. But then you look at some mothers in foster care, do treat them nice and do adopt them, But always in the back of a mind of a foster child or adopted child or even an orphan like myself. They just want to be accepted. They just want love and feel like they belong. So I would encourage all of you who are foster parents, adopted parents, or even relatives who are raising other people's kids, give them love. Show them the love of God. Show them the love of Christ and let them know that they are worthy to be a family member. You know, this is what Jesus did, that when he walked the road, he didn't worry about what was the nationality. He did not worry about what was the color of the creed. He was letting everybody know, even the Good Samaritan, all of us know, that we have a chance to be somebody in God. And once you are saved, you are adopted into a family that will accept you as a child of God, as a sheep of God because you have accepted salvation. Yes, you're going to be with people sometimes that's going to make you feel like you're not a Christian, you're not saved, but their opinion doesn't matter. It is the Lamb Book of Life where you have confessed out your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he rose, that he died and rose for you, and he sits on the right hand of the Father, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and you are adopted into a family now of believers, that you're uncircumcised that you're not a Jew, and he chose the Jewish people as an example, but now you are circumcised by your faith into the body of Christ, with the seed of Abraham, that we are the believers that God is and will ever be our Lord. There is no one greater than God, and I thank God for the love that he put in Clara to love me and for the tenacity and the strength that he gave Sidney and the backbone to stand up and say, this is my child regardless what I went through regardless the persecution the abuse and everything else that people did on the down low that I came out on top That I've survived and I will never forget them So I dedicate this show to them since this is going through that Valentine week that that was the greatest love of all Was from a mother and father who showed an orphan love As you look at the story Think about Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. The mothers, the grandmothers, the aunties, the dads, the fathers, those relatives, even sons and sisters who said that I will stick by you through the storm, that regardless what you go through, regardless what it seems like, I won't leave you. You know, that's the greatest love of all, is when somebody loves you unconditionally, it's not by your size, your hair, your skin color, your eye color. It's not by your race, your creed. It's not by your shape or anything. It's not even by your character. But someone can love you unconditional, whether you're young or old, fat or skinny, black or white, that they can love you, the person that's down on the inside. What I loved about Ruth, that she loved Naomi only who even wasn't her real mother, that she wouldn't return to her own family. She stayed right there. And, you know, I decided because I heard these rumors that I wasn't their child, that when my parents died that I was smart enough. See, a lot of people underestimate children. They don't realize that they hear a lot of gossip. They take a lot of notes. And believe me, even from the ones that's three, seven, eight years old, ten or twelve, they are recording the things that you say. And I remember at twelve years old what they said and the rumors that they gave that that stayed with me till I became a grown woman. And I said, okay, so these not my family. And I heard so, yeah, her family is from Harlem, they in New York, uh, they this. She came out of uh, South Carolina, North Carolina. And when I worked at Vital Records, I was smart enough to know how to do research and do archives, and I had a job by then. I had a birth certificate, and I searched those records. I searched the North Carolina and South Carolina archives. I looked at what they consider was a birth certificate and did research, and believe it or not, I found what I was looking for, that uh, apparently that I was supposed to be born – in Harlem, New York, 137th Street and Lenox Avenue. And I found an old birth certificate that was similar to mine with the the gossip that people had said, and I compared the names. I did a lot of research. <laughs> it was so funny that my first job was researching birth records and death records and vital records. So in doing my job and doing it well, I gained a lot of knowledge, and I knew what to do. I went to Harlem to meet a particular lady that was supposed to be my mom. And she said, who are you? I said, well, they say I'm your daughter. I said, I don't know for sure. I said, but I have a birth certificate here that's somewhere to the information I had. The woman laid me out. She cussed me out. She asked me why did I come to Harlem. And she said, you one out of four that I gave away. I gave away one in Virginia, one in uh, north of South Carolina, two in Philadelphia. She was just having babies and giving them away. And it, it was the grace of God that nobody knew me, knew I was from, knew my address. I could have did anything to that lady and left. They wouldn't even know my name. But I felt sorry for her by that time I had got saved, praises be to God. And I wondered why would she have children and just give them away and let them suffer and let them go through the changes that they did, some getting abused or raped or molested or even killed. And she told me that she was married to a man that was domestic violence, but she would stay there long enough to get pregnant and leave. After he beat her up, then she would drop off her baby, come back, get pregnant again, leave, drop off her baby, and come back. It was a cycle of abandonment. And I felt sorry for her, and I looked at the children that she had, and I made up my mind then that I thanked God that I was giving to the foster family, the adoptive family, that I was an orphan and given away because, truly, I had the love from human beings that showed me kindness, just like our story today, that Ruth made a decision to stay with Naomi because she knew that this woman loved her unconditionally to the point that she told her going with her life. She did not go on. She stayed right there. There are many a times in your life that you're going to want to go on and do things that you want to do. But it is the grace of God, I'll say it again, it is the grace of God that no one greater that can touch a man's heart and tell them to stick it out when it's hard times, when it's rough, when it's bad, they will stick it out. My adopted parents stayed right there and, and stuck it out regardless of the criticism. stayed. Right there was Naomi, and people thought she was crazy to follow a lady to a strange land. And even so, that Jesus, he stuck it out regardless that people made fun of him and teased him and said that he wasn't a son of God. That That tenacity, that toughness of the skin showed them that there was a greater God in them that had them to stand the test of time. I would encourage you to know the difference between real love, conditional love, and the love of the Father, which is greater. Matter of fact, let us listen to Sean Mitchell at this time, which is no greater love. And God bless you as we examine the story of Ruth and Naomi. Amen. <laughs>
1: No. <laughs>
0: Remember I didn't have through it all, that I would stay with my mother, my father, the best experience. I've learned so much from them, from learning how to cook food from scratch, to having tough skin, to having a backbone, that I will leave you quick. But I realized that I had to stay through the storm to see what my God wanted me to do about the situation. I wouldn't leave my mother and father, however, I left that lady. When I left Harlem, New York, I shook the dust off my feet, and I never looked back. I thank God for the family that was given to me, because truly it became a blessing. I turned down a scholarship to Howard University, a full scholarship, that I was able to still graduate from colleges, many colleges, matter of fact. I was able to not only, as they say, to leave, to go to other cities. I've been around the world. I thank God for that. And even the jobs that I had was able to help someone else. I worked in foster care and adoptive services when I was able to graduate from college, that I was able to help children. Isn't it ironic that here I'm an orphan, a foster child, that my job I had for 12 years was to help children like myself. I would place them in homes and check on them. If it wasn't in their best interest, they were out of there. I was able to talk to those parents and to say how grateful the state was that they were taking in foster and adopted kids and becoming the parents that they could be. There was so much emotionalism, so much pain, so much hurt that kids have suffered being separated from mom and dad with the question, did daddy love me? Is that why he's gone or he didn't love me? Or did my mother love me? Is that why she gave me up or she didn't love me? It's sad when children are smart, like myself, that they return back to the vomit or the displaced situation and they see the truth about their parents and see some of them are caught up in alcohol or drug addiction that, they're not able to take care of the little kids, and they cry and they suffer and they angry, they mad, and they feel like little black sheep, and they feel displaced, and they talked about and teased. They always felt a separation. But I thank God for my job that I had with them, that I tried to encourage them that they are somebody. I told them that I was an orphan left out in an abandoned car to die, and I was given to a family and didn't even go to foster care. I was just given to a family to tell them that there is hope, and to look at them and to encourage them. And I tried to not only show them that they're able to get a job and that we could help with the state to give them uh, aid for school or get them an apartment. They could get a job and take care of themselves and to have a family. And I was able to tell them, you know about. Faster and financial aid that they are able to get money from the government to go to school I thank God for my experience because I was a witness to others that there is a bomb in Gilead There is hope in the midst of the storm and there is love The greatest love of all is the greatest love of the Father Some asked me how did I survive? I said by a God that I could not see having faith in this little red testament that my God is. And so many times in my quiet prayer that I prayed to him that he showed up and showed out, he heard every one of my prayer, even down to giving me the job. And, and even one time I always wanted, even materialistic things, I always wanted certain things, and I talked to God, next thing I know that a gift came or something happened or A financial door opened up, and I was able to even get that very thing. So God it was so real in my life that I encouraged the little children to, look, go to school. Be the best parent you can be, and don't make the mistakes that your parents did, and hold your head up. Forgive yourself. We all have done some dumb, silly things. Some people call it stupid, but it's okay. Forgive yourself. Shake the dust off your feet. And each day is a new day to a new life and a new beginning. Through that year that there was over 6,000 displaced children that we were working in the system, and that I tried in those 10 to 12 years to be the best social worker that I could be, to reunify families, to try to help mothers, to get the kids back, to get kids to work with relatives or grandmothers, and to be the best that I could be in helping someone. I have met some of them along the way. Some of those foster kids even ran away to try to find where I was because they wanted to live with me. But I told them it was a conflict of interest. They had to live for themselves. And I will never forget a quote that Dr. Martin Luther King said, that I hope that my living was not in vain, that if I could help someone along the way. And that's the motto I want to share with you today. That's the greatest love that you could give is the love to help someone else out, whether it be a neighbor, a relative, a mother, a father, or a displaced child, is to show them the greatest love of all, is the love of Christ inside of you. So as I said, this was our Valentine's week, and I wanted to share that testimony about the greatest love, that through that ridicule, that Sydney and Clara stood that the love that I have for such a great mother that I have, I would not leave her side because I knew that through it all that that was the best situation for me because she had shown me such love. I want to encourage you today that each day of your life, especially as you look at yourself in the mirror, say to yourself, have I helped someone today? Have I showed them love today? Do not criticize or put down or tear down somebody because you do not know where that person have come from. You do not know the suffering that they have had. There is no greater love, as he said, in the love of God. You need to show love. And, you know, as we... Go about our journey. It says that in order for us to have eternal life, we have to love our neighbors as ourselves. I forgave that mother I met in Harlem because I don't know her situation. But what I did take from that, that I would never abandon my kids, never leave them or have them out there. I don't know what generational curse was or recycle or whatever it called that you will uh, repeat a thing. I was determined right then and there, if I didn't get nothing else, I said, I'm not going to leave my kids in spite of I'm going to be right there. Whether I be the best mother, the worst mother, good mother, bad mother, I was going to be a mother to them because I never want them to feel as though that they was not loved. I took away that I wiped my eyes, took the dust off my feet, and no matter what I've been through in life, I was determined to stay right there with my mom. And I say to a lot of people, sometimes you can go after a lot of things. I've been offered worldwide religion that people will pay for it, to send me around the world to preach and to teach, to be on radio and TV. And I thought about it. I said, what's more important? I'm a mom with three kids. I need to be there for my daughter. I need to be there for my children. I know they're sick of me being there, but I was determined that rather than go after fame, I went after family. To me, that was the greatest thing. And I still have my rewards. I still came out that it's true I'm not going around to different nations or made a name for myself so that other people would know this ministry that God has given me. But the greatest ministry of all was being a mother and a family person. Love your family today. Go see your mom, see your dad. If they're at the grave, just go visit and tell them thank you. Say a prayer because it goes to heaven. It's not going to the dirt. And if you have children try to get in touch. And if you have lost lost loved ones just to say hello. And and really be godly sorrowful for some of the things that you did and repent and try to be a better person. I wouldn't take nothing for this journey. The hardest thing to me sometimes I'm on TV now and is to sit in front of a camera and to tell people the love of God. I love the radio Because it's like I'm in my own little private closet, and I can just whisper the love I have for God. But rather than the camera shining in my face, and they can see me wink, blink, or whatever, it's nothing like being real for God. It's nothing like just being humble for God. And it's nothing like just serving God. Do you know why? Because he's God all by himself. He don't need our help. I say all the time, I say, God, you've taken me from a mighty long way. You have taken me from abandoned car in the woods where I could have got ate up with animals up until being separated from family and being out alone to this day. It's been over 30, 40 years. I don't know who my brother, sister is, none of my family. I could be related to you. I don't know. And I don't really care. What I care about is that I show love to family, those I meet along the way, and I try to stay in the storm and to encourage them the greatest thing of all, you know, like I look back over my life and I said, God, I thank you. Say, yep, you turned down the ministry, but God still has given you a ministry. So I'm on this radio station to encourage you that there is a God, that there is a merciful God, and he's God all by himself. And I want to say any time that I could help you in your ministry far as to get on radio or TV, call me. There is nothing too hard for our God. There is nothing too great for our God. There is nothing that God can't do. He can do anything but fail. If He took someone like me out of an abandoned cart in the woods, bleeding from a baby up to now, what can he do for you? Even greater and more things because I'm nobody but just somebody in God. So God bless you again. You've been listening to the Fivefold Ministry broadcast. I went down this way. I didn't think I was going this way. I was going to preach on Ruth, the first chapter, verses 16 to 18. But God put in my heart the greatest love of all is the love that you would lay down for somebody else's life. And truly I was blessed through the Pearson, the Beasley, and the Gillis family who laid down their life for me as an orphan So God bless you again, and as we sit back and meditate today, remember, be grateful for the small things. Be grateful that you are alive in the land of the living. Let those things go that's behind you. Shake the dust off your feet. Move towards the mark of the high calling. That's what I did. I let the past of all that hurt be in the past. I let all that disappointment. Yes, we all go through it. I let it go because each day, I want to rise to the occasion of serving God, of praising God, and giving him the worship. And forgive yourself. You're going to don't beat up on yourself or get mad at yourself for things you've done. You're only human. This is why Jesus died on the cross. He knew he was going to mess up. But you know what? God is God all by himself, and that he can do anything but fail. If we turn it over to him, we will have the victory. Amen. 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 Let us listen to Marvin said that he is God all by himself. Amen. Amen. There's a question of your
1: greatness. you. Uh-huh.
0: You know, so many times that people don't know your life, it's not written in the land Book of Life for them to know. But you will have those that will criticize you, condemn you, judge you, critique you, and try to line you up with what they believe is right or wrong, God forbid. We have these little tiny gods and tiny Jesus that want to be in charge of our life and that they put us on a microscope. And... I thank God for the kindness of a mother and father that was able to show me the love of God, raise me up in a church, and gave me the foundation that I needed to stand and have the integrity to be kind and to give my testimony about how God put morality in my life and the standards that he put in my life is to be a Christian. Yes, I have fallen by the wayside, and no, I'm not perfect, (laughs) and I will lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. But God has brought me from a mighty long way that the anger has subsided, the hurt has subsided, the disappointment, because I had to turn it over to God and leave it at the foot of the cross. There is no greater love than the love of God. I thank God how he has protected my life how uh, he has blessed those circumstances and situations that was detrimental to me and my safety and security. But he fixed it and fulfilled purpose and destiny in my life that I rose to the occasion and I'm still rising. I thank God for that, that, you know, you got to go through the storm and have a backbone that I never will forget a lesson that he taught me one time. I said, God, why? Do I have to stay in this situation? Why? Because God knows I would shake the dust off my feet quick, but God wants to show me that sometimes you got to endure the storm to get the lesson. Sometimes you got to go through the heartache and the hardship so that you can better understand so you don't make those choices again. Sometimes that a door that is closed to you, and you don't seem like there's a way of escape. Oh, God, I want to show you your strength and your character and your tenacity, that you're strong and you're able to make it through. Good God Almighty. You know what? My sinus is clearing up now. I'm talking about God. <laughs> but I just want to tell you that through it all, I wouldn't take nothing for the life that I live with the parents that I had. I thank God that that lesson helped me to encourage those. Children 12 years in social services to keep their head high and to look up. I thank God that through that, that even with that, I never knew that I was going to teach at a historical black college. I taught over 1,000 students to tell them that, yes, I can. Yes, you can as a person of God. There was mothers bringing in children. There was women who was pregnant. There was people that was between detention centers and those that was in jail but was allowed to go to school. I did everything I could to tell them that, yes, they could, and they could achieve success. And I gave out a lot of A grades so that GPA could rise, and I was determined that they were going to learn what they need to learn. One thing I did learn, though, and I taught psychology, that that only the strong can survive, that I love Eric Erickson. He would always say that regardless how you a things, it's how you finish it that shows your strength and your character. It's the survival of the fittest. And that I told all of them, don't let, worry about what people say about you. Don't you know there's an axis, one, that when you under stress, it's a sign of a slight mental illness. We all got mental illness because we all been under stress. But it's how you say to yourself, I can be somebody in God, and I can achieve success through heaven and hell, that God will take me through, and I will be a winner. That's the greatest love, beloved. The greatest love is the love of the Father, the love and life lessons that he teach you to stand, that he teach you to hold your head up. Please don't condemn nobody and put nobody down or make them feel less than because you shall and will be accountable. So if you can help somebody along the way, do it. If you want to help somebody rise to the occasion, then do it. You know why? Because it is not the time or the hour, it is not the day or the week for you to look down on nobody else. You know why? Because only through God's grace and mercy. And remember now, when you give that Valentine those flowers, those candies, will you be there next year this time? Will you be there in the good times and bad? Will you be there when all else fails? When you're broke? When you're sick? And even when you dying unto death, love is unconditional and is eternal. Be for real when you. Talk about the violent times. Know what real love is and not conditional love. Because what we're going through now with COVID and everything that's going on in this world, this is not the time or the hour to play games with yourself or with God. God bless you. I hope you have gotten some out of this message. If nothing else, be real in your commitment to God and to others and even to yourself in genuine love. Amen. Amen. Let's listen to Marvin Step as we get ready to close out. Amen. What Marvin Sapp says There is hope for the hopeless And there is hope in God Treat others the way you want to be treated Show the love The love of God in your life That could really be blessing to someone else Be kind Exalt, edify And, immer- and, and encourage others Again, exalt Encourage, motivate And push others up because we all need that special hug, God, to our lives to show us the greatest thing of all, which is which is the love of the Father. God bless you again as you read the story of Ruth with Naomi. It talks about the loyalty, the love of God, and the blessing and favor he will give you. God bless you again. You listen to the Five Four Ministry broadcast. You can hear us through the week with good preaching as well as the weekends. Be blessed and know that your God can do anything but fail. Amen. Amen.
1: conditions 18 plus